Welcome to a wonderful podcast called Life and Pinch Drives. I am James Yevin. And I am TJ Stolzenberg. And here we are. We're about to bring a wonderful perspective on Pinch Drives and a beautiful life that we both live in. Just a bunch of 20-year-old guys mm-hmm. living the life. Yes, you know. Some of us play baseball. Some of us love baseball. Some of us miss baseball. But nonetheless, let's talk baseball. Yeah. Hey, it's only late January, you know, pitchers and catchers report next yeah, month. Yeah, we, we got a little ways to go, though. So what have we missed in this offseason? Uh, what action have the Yankees taken or not taken? Well, they have been very interested in Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, hmm. but it looks like those moves are probably not going to happen because hmm. they're asking for a lot of money, definitely a lot of years, and these aren't, you know, like Aaron Judge. You're not going to get right. that kind of kind of players you're gonna get the punk players obviously we know about Manny Machado's postseason antics spiking players mm. and also saying he does not like to hustle to first that yeah about that it almost seems as if of course there's actual interest in those players they're stars they're great they produce put fans in the seats however I feel like the Yankees they have a certain level of class and a certain level of we don't do that here uh that goes uh, unwritten, but I don't think I like Machado. I don't see Machado. I see him as a young kid. Maybe he'll change. Maybe he'll listen to some of the older players, but I feel like he's a little too full of himself, and L.A. is a place where I think he belongs more, and uh, New York will stay with the guys who would rather do it on the field and then just say a bunch of crap. He's pretty much... He pretty much fits Hollywood. Like I feel yeah, like what he's he so Hollywood. I feel like what he talked about with the no hustling that was like a script. It was, almost, it was almost. It was like okay, wait a minute. I've I've seen players try to pull this off before, but it was as if he was a high school player trying to talk back to his coach, saying, "Well, eh," trying to be better than the moment, bigger than it, saying, "I'm too good for." It's like okay, if you're a man defined by like how you view yourself, that's fine. But it's actually the world that sees you and forms opinions. And when a young child is watching you, who's learning the sport of baseball, and they watch you jog to first base, they're, they're putting a small little link in their brain, remembering, oh, it was okay that he did it, but you're teaching, you know, what are you trying to teach? Is this, you know, what separates you from the rest? Yes, your skills are great. Yes, you can hit the ball. Your fielding's awesome, and you're still a baby in the league. You're young. Well, Aren't you trying to, like, have kids look up to you in a positive light? Look to you for all your good qualities? You know how many times I've been saying that? A lot of players, especially kids, they're going to look up to players like Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. Mm. Why would they look up to a guy that won't hustle the first? I remember, was Mm. it, one World Series moment where he thought he hit a home run and it took him seven seconds to go to first base? Yes. You remember when Gary Sanchez, how fans were absolutely going nuts on him when he didn't hustle the first base and the Yankees lost the game? Yep. Imagine that happening in the World Series game. Say it's bottom ninth, game seven, down by one run, one out. Manny Machado hits a ground ball to shortstop and it's an inning-ending double play, which mm. he could have beat out. Mm. Thank you. I like to see. I like to think he's, uh, he's not an idiot. Let's say he's not going to get this far, but uh, at the same time, baseball is a sport where... You want to go brain dead at least, but you don't want to have a brain dead personality. I mean, he he will you hope you hope hustle that ball out that he hits bottom of the ninth, two outs, runners in big position. You would hope that's in that's just instincts taking over. I gotta get to first or we lose. But when you act too cool for school or above the moment, I stop listening. So I just don't like. I don't want to see him in a Yankee uniform. No, definitely not. And you probably think. You would be wearing number thirteen like another Yankee mm. rival or villain. Yeah. How do you feel about him? What is your what's your All right. Your As a huge baseball fan, been watching it for a very long time. At one point I had nothing but respect for A Rod, that right. fifty four home run, hundred fifty six RBI season back Boom. in two thousand seven. Oh yeah. His two thousand nine postseason was amazing. Right. He and that was a that was a year where he wasn't doing the best, but he was Working his way back up, you know he is dealing with all the off-field stuff still. He had so many clutch hits in that playoff. Oh man! And I felt good for him because it had seemed to me that he's an old man now. He's in the game. He's an old man. He deserves, you know, at least something instead of it all to be an asterisk of uh, steroids and uh, the drama going off the field with him. But 
you know, at the end of the day, the man played baseball since he was born, so he deserves to at least some feel-good stuff on the field, you know? Yeah, the only, problem, like the only problem is that after that postseason he had in 09, he was absolutely dormant. Atrocious, yeah. So bad. Bad. Bad in clutch situations. He got pinched hit for it in that. I watched his bat speed drastically decline. I know he he was best when he was going opposite field. When he's looking to see the inside pitch and snap on it, because he, you know, he'll he'll catch up. But seeing that over the plate outside corner, see it deep, hit it to right field mentality. Because if you're early on that, you'll end up still pulling it in play. He is one of the best opposite field power hitters of our of the entire MLB history. Uh, especially in Yankee Stadium with the short porch and right, you would think he, it would be like his approach. Absolutely. But he yeah. was rolling over and hitting dinkers, ground balls to the third baseman because he was just early jumping at it a little bit. But you know, as an athlete, especially as a baseball player, he was itching to prove who he was again and who he is. And you get frustrated. I can only imagine being that age and all the things he's dealing with. I know who I am. I know what skills I have. How come the results aren't happening? It's as simple as one one hundredth of a second. You know, see it deeper. See it for a half second longer. One more rotation on the ball. Hit it to right. And he started doing that and hitting the gaps when he was getting hot in that moment. Right after that, it's as if he was he was aware of his age or aware that he's older now, and he was trying to make up for it in some way by either having quicker hands or jump early at the ball. But his, pay, you know. His, uh, his patience at the plate wasn't there after that. It was also, he had surgeries on both of his hips. As... That might be a part of it as well. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, he was a very aging old man. I'm pretty mm. sure if he walked into Yankee Stadium, he needed a cane. That's how old he got. Mm -hmm. And also the uh, steroids that were helping his body heal or at least feel okay to play. Clearly, he was not either taking them anymore or he was still in search for another one that was not illegal yet. But, I digress. He, uh, he still deserves... He deserves credit. Uh, speaking of which, Hall of Fame voting, which has just happened recently. Yeah. Uh, A-Rod was brought up, and then the other players such as uh, Clemens, you know, Bonds. Ah, uh, yeah. Here's my question. You have players that clearly, whether they got proven tested, uh, a negative test or not, or went to Congress or court or not, you have players that were stars before they quote unquote took steroids. Barry Bonds was a 30-30, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases guy for years. He was a guaranteed 30-30. Yes, maybe he swole up a little bit and uh, his head turned to the size of a watermelon. Swole up. I think that's an <laughs> understatement right there. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. But even before that, he had a Hall of Fame career there, building, in that sample. I don't even know, I think... I don't even think I would know who Mark McGuire would be if he didn't have a season as such during that chase, which I highly think might be the audience's fault. Really? Let, let me explain. Whoa, this, is, this just caught me off guard. Me, let me explain. Barry Bonds is playing. He's a 30-for-30 30 30 guy. He's a stud. He's a gold glove winner in the outfield. Of course. He's sitting there doing it all. You know, getting his getting his rep. Then you have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa come in during the year where they're chasing Roger Maris. And he's saying to himself, okay, you know, I do this all the time. And look at these guys. America is falling in love with that chase, with that, with that uh, little home run uh, bit. And the only thing I like to attribute it to is, what if we, some inadvertent way made Barry Bonds say, all right, well then screw it. I'm playing, putting up these numbers, doing this, and you're still paying more attention to that. He won't, maybe, he, you know, ultimately it's his choice, his responsibility. He's at fault for making those choices with his body. But what if it's the hype of the audience getting overly excited about these big numbers, big chases, and, and uh, you know, the home runs. You have to think that. about it. that 98 season with McGuire and Sosa mm. catching Maris. That was probably one of the best moments in probably of all time in Major yeah. League Baseball. How much attention was, how much attention did the sport get because of that? I wouldn't know. I was three years old when 1998 happened. Uh, I was seven, so I, I, I had consciousness for about three years, so I'd say I, I remember, I remember Sammy Sosa doing the two fingers da, 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 to the sky. I remember when Mark McGuire hit it. 
But I remember most when Barry Bonds, oh. uh, I, when he hit the when he hit seventy, and or yeah, they might even have been sixty one because the record was sixty one. But nonetheless, I think I'm looking at it this way: with the Hall of Fame taking into account the steroid era, some people are on the side where you say none of them should get in, or if anyone's tested positive, none of them should get in. But we all know there are players currently in the Hall of Fame that took steroids. Really? What do you think? Well, let me get to that point because I want to. I don't want to forget this awesome thing I just heard. Stephen A. made a good point. I was listening to Stephen A. talking earlier, and, and Michael K. was on, and uh, he thought a player like Clemens, who taunted Congress, said, "Put me on the stand." Made a little arrogant ass of himself. Pardon my language. I just feel like that type of player. Put him in this category. Then you have Sammy Sosa, who's doing God knows what right now. I don't know if you know about that pigment skin thing he's doing. He dyed his skin white. Yeah, I don't completely understand I, why he would do something like that. I guess I mean, that's, that's just... That's his business. That's his path. Who knows? Now, take him over here and put him in that pile. I still don't know who those guys are. Maybe because I was seven years old. But also because... America made them great with that chase, with the story, with the narrative. Barry Bonds had a Hall of Fame career before all of that. See, I kept, I keep on saying that too. Barry Bonds had one of the most smoothest swings yes. in MLB history. Yes. He really didn't have to take steroids. I feel like if he didn't take steroids, steroids, he'd been sorry, there anyways. He would be in the Hall of Fame. It's all, it's all. I agree. I feel like also he's almost saying, okay. You guys are doing that with the steroids. Let me show you what I'll do when I'm on steroids. You know, it's a pressure. It's pressure. Yeah, you're making millions and millions of dollars to play to play baseball. Yeah, you expect to be hitting 500 foot home runs, hitting 60, 70 home runs in a season. Which I don't know when the next time we're going to be seeing I know. a 60 or 70 home you're run right. season. You're right. They do expect to show. You 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 want to produce miracles. It's something where. You have a it's it's a war with many battles. Baseball is being a long season, and you know people without the patience or without knowing the sport won't be able to pick up on the little chess matches of the pitcher, maybe trying to pick off the runner or other stuff as such. But you know, when players who already are getting tons of money need attention in a way, there's no end to what they can do with their resources and the money they have and the people they know. So. I'm not taking it away from Barry Bonds, but I just am saying maybe it was the narrative that pressured him into joining that race and proving he's still better. Yeah. Continuing on with the Hall of Fame. Yesterday, four guys went in. Non-steroid users, Marion Rivera, Mike Messina, Edgar Martinez, and the late, great Roy Halladay. Rest in peace. Yeah, he was... I remember was it, watching Roy Halladay pitch, mm. and he would always traumatize my Yankees. I'm like, yeah. well, I can guarantee a loss there Yeah, because Halladay was pitching. He was somebody... I, that nine-year stretch, uh, I, I truly feared him as a pitcher. I, I wish we could have... Um, and it's a tragedy what happened. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was a plane crash? Yep, he was like flying around his plane, and uh, fortunately he did a couple of tricks, and he landed in the water, which oh, instantly boy. killed him. Wow. Wasn't there, I remember this during the same thing, wasn't there another Yankee? He pitched for the Yankees for a brief amount of time. Corey Lytle. Nice. 2006. Yes. Well done. He flew into a building. He yes. Flew, uh, he, fell, he flew into a building of like in the 70s of Manhattan. And uh, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what kind of contribution. But still, though, that's like, that was very sad. That is sad. But Roy, Roy wasn't there to accept it. But we were talking about this. Mike Mussina. He pitched his entire career in the AL East. <laughs> we're a little biased because we're Panda Stripe fans here. But, you know, he pitches an entire career in the AL East. But here's my question. I'm just going to play a little devil's advocate here. Oh, boy. Let's hear this. I love Mike Mussina. Don't get me wrong. But there's still players such as Kurt Schilling. Best postseason pitcher ever. 11-2, and two, like a, a 2 ERA in the postseason. 2001 World Series when he absolutely shut us down. Right. Not happy about that. But uh, you got Kurt Schilling. You've got people such as you know Andy Pettit, who, yes, did admit to recovery, steroids, whatever. But still, excellent postseason numbers. Manny, uh, Manny Ramirez. Ah, Manny Ramirez. 55 home runs, over 1,000 RBIs, just... Or a thousand extra base hits, 
I just, uh, I, I just curious. You know, Musina seemed like a player to me who the voters would use strategy with. They would say, okay, he'll be on the ballot again next year. He'll get his due. I'm going to use this vote for somebody whose window is closing. And I was a little shocked. I thought Musina might get in a little later. David Cohn, another Yankee. Oh, yeah, David Still, Cohn. Still, he, he only got 5% of the vote. Why? David Cohn. David Cohn. I the perfect game he had in 1999. <laughs> Not to mention also helped them two World Series wins yes. from 98 to, yes. to 2000. So, not that I'm saying Mike Mussina doesn't deserve it. He's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, David Cohn. Like, David Cohn. 5%. A little, little curious. I'm sure his window is actually probably getting thinner, and he may only have a couple years left to get in. So, hopefully those... Voters will see it, and in the last couple of years, they'll be like, all right, now it's time, now it's time. But. Yeah, but Mike Mussina had a lot of moments when he put on the pinstripes back in 2001. Yeah, he helped them to the World Series in 01 and 03. Fortunately, it was losses to the Diamondbacks and the Marlins, but yep, 3.68 career ERA. That's, I know, that that's sounds, actually, no, that's actually, you know. That sounds very high. It doesn't. But you got to think about it in the era he pitched in. You know, the guys with, like, Rafael Palmero and, like, Barry Bonds. Like and in the AL East. AL East with the Red Sox and... The Orioles. You got Palmero. He, he was facing, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time. Um, they might not have had uh, too many threats, but still. The Blue Jays, they had some random years here and there. The Red Sox. The Orioles. And not to mention the rest of the league. You do so, realize most of 2000s, it was either the Yankees or the Red Sox in the AL East because right. every other team in the AL East was garbage. The Devil Rays. I remember when they were the Devil Rays. They were I so love the bad. Devil Rays. I remember Carl Crawford all those years and Rocco Baldelli. BJ, How about that name? BJ Upton, Carlos Pena, just to name a few guys. That's right, Pena. That was in the years where they actually made it to the playoffs and had Madden and might have been a little bit of a threat due to his cool martini glass infield shifts in his cool glasses, but I gave him credit. Uh, I, I will say, tip my cap a little bit to the Orioles and Blue Jays because they had to face the Yankees 18 times each, so if 36-year games are against the uh, two best teams in the league, you know, going 500 is good, but they probably were more like uh, two fit, you know, two, uh, 25% of the time, so that's where maybe... Th- 25 of their losses came, so I can't knock him too hard. Yeah, don't forget about his incredible postseason performance in the 2003 ALCS Game 7. Ooh, yeah. I, what was that? I know the starter, he struggled. Musina came in. He, he was came on, dom- he came dominant. In. And Amber Boone, our lovely oh! manager, says good night to the Red Sox. Oh, boy. I remember the next day, the article... In the front news, it was when Grady Little was the manager. Yep. Oh, yeah, he got fired after that And they season. had left Pedro in. They said they left Pedro in a little too long, which I don't know how that matters or whatever. But I don't know. That's the excuse they that's said. That's the excuse they want to use. But even though Tim Wakefield's knuckleball comes in, Aaron Boone crushes it. First I, pitch, nonetheless. First pitch, nonetheless. I remember the article saying, little could be done. Little double entendre there. Grady Little getting fired, of course, and just saying, "Hey, there's not much that could have gets happened. replaced by Terry Francona." And history is pretty much made after that. I'll tip my cap to Terry Francona, but that's that's a different. That's pretty. Yeah, I know. We still heard, even though that was in 2004. But yeah, that was brutal. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I knew I knew that we needed to win Game Five. Yes, they came back. They were dead. We were up. We were up three games to nothing. I remember Hideki Matsui. We're up like 500 to 1 in like the third game. I'm like, let's save some runs for game four. We need to stay in it. I don't know if it was just floated away a little bit. Obviously, they're pros. They're not going to get their mind out of it. But I sincerely believe we needed to win game five because as, as dominant as we felt for the first three games, when they came back, when the Red Sox came back, Johnny Damon, David Ortiz, the clutch hits, coach home runs, when they came back and won game four, I'm thinking to myself, shut the door, game five. Or all of a sudden, it's back to 3-2, and this looks way too real, way too close. Of again. course, yeah. If you really think about it, three games to none, it sounds daunting at first. Right. But obviously, the Red Sox made it look so easy. 
back in 2004. What they made it look even easier is after that, there's no way the St. Louis Cardinals had a chance to... Uh, uh, oh, God, no. <laughs> they were so they were so bad that series, but... Uh, not to say the uh, AL. I'm always an AL versus NL type guy. Not the DH rule, but just I feel like there's just more oomph in the AL. Of course. Well, you have the designated hitter. That also helps. And they were thinking about putting the designated hitter to the National they League. They were. Couple of rules, couple of new interesting rule ideas is a good transition because I wanted to ask you your opinion of this. How do you feel, first off, about the length of baseball games? Nine innings should always be nine innings. I mean, what? I, let me let me rephrase that. The how long they, how many hours they take. Like the average fan is getting tired after three, three and a half, four hours. They don't like to see the eighteen inning. Over uh, extra inning game, that you know, what do you feel about that? First off, what like if a game goes into eight, eighteen innings? Right. Obviously, are you bored? Uh, depends on if you're the fan of a sport. Obviously, if you watch baseball for the first time, you're gonna. But be I'm like, asking you personally. Oh, I love watching. You're watching the Yankees. Let's say they're playing a regular season game at home. You're at the game. Yep. Let's say they're playing the Kansas City Royals, <clears throat> the thirteenth game of the year. Okay. And it's. The ninth, it's a 2-2 ball game. It's been, you know, a little bit of action here and there, but let's say it's been 2-2 since the fourth and no runs have been scored. It's the ninth, we head to the tenth. Let's say it's an 18-inning game. It takes five-plus hours. Uh, depends on the situation. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. If I have to drive home that night, I'd be like, okay, I left. I'm going to leave at the ninth inning to avoid the traffic. You reveal a very good point. You reveal a very good point. Most people are thinking of uh, what's next and the, uh, the... Sleep they need to get for the day they need to have. That's true. That's I forgot well, about see. that point because games do start at 7 p.m. Well, last year I went to a Yankees and Orioles game. I think it was the ninth game of the year. It was it was like an early April game. It was kind of cold, but that game went into 13 innings, and I knew I had mm. to get back home because I had work the next day, so I just left after the ninth inning. Unfortunately, they lost in the 13th inning against uh. a crappy Baltimore Orioles team, which <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Well, it happens. 162 games is going to happen. I, uh, I asked you because of this. The California rule. They're thinking of all these different options where you start with a runner on or you start with a loaded count. Or oh, God, no. No, here's no, what, Here's no. what I'm saying. Here's, here's how I'm looking at it. I have patience. I love the long chess matches each pitch. I'm into each pitch, like right. you like you are. Are true, you kidding me? True fan. Dude, you've seen me every time I watch the Yankee exactly. game, I get into it. Exactly. So the average fan who can't stand it when it gets to the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, they're clearly not in it for themselves. They're in it for an experience that benefits them. They're, they're not willing to totally attach or di- dissolve themselves within the bigger moment that is the game for everybody else involved. But the reason why I ask is because the California rule, putting somebody, if I'm not mistaken, it puts somebody on second base to start the inning. I think it's a terrible rule. I think whoever thought of that rule should chuck it into the garbage bin because hmm. you clearly do not like baseball if you want to put a guy on second base. Because they're obviously going to score. Or it's very easy to score well, on second. Well, well, well. Here's where it Depends on the pitcher. You're like, right, if you're put, right. If you right. put, like, Chapman in, and he's like, of course, okay. Of course, But the moment is automatically elevated. Here's why I ask. With runner on second... Baseball has to happen. Move the runner over. Do your job. Whether you sacrifice, hit the ball to the opposite side, or hit the ball to the right side. Sacrifice, fly, put the ball in play. A baseball moves, baseball plays need be done. Still, man on second, a leadoff double should always score. Right? You always got to understand the fundamentals. Yeah, obviously. How many times did the Yankees leave a guy on, or he never made it, he never even got over? Another oh, that was pop the... out, strikeout, strikeout. Oh, that was the storyline of last season. Correct. Yes, 100. Here's the problem with this topic is like, we love the Yankees so much. I love them, but. I understand they won 100 games last season, mm. but it literally felt like they won like 85 to I 90. I totally agree. It was literally the worst 100-win season team I've ever seen. I totally agree. The home run or bus method, that never works. No, no, it doesn't. It, 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 it sells tickets, but it doesn't win championships. Yeah. It, it's easy to say, okay, when they were down 4 nothing in the olden days, they would get back in the game with two ba- two, a walk, an error, <coughs> and then boom. Jason Giambi comes, hits one out, and they're back in the ball game. Oh, yeah. But small ball, through and through, till the end, is more productive over a longer period of time. The reason why I ask about the California rule is because it makes you at least have an intense 
baseball moment where the pitcher need to do his job, the hitter need to do his job, but then the other team's going to be required to do the same thing. I'm just saying, maybe you don't do it right away in the 10th, but maybe in just the regular season, maybe once you hit the 12th, you establish this. And I'm just playing devil's advocate because I'm a true, uh, you know, don't call me a purist. Call me a little... All right, I'm calling you a purist. All right, I, you said that. I want to say I'm more modern. I'm more open to uh, ideas and making things better. But I just, I, I, I am almost only saying this because I'm tired of hearing about how many people are annoyed that games last so long. I'm so bored. Don't so watch I'm, it. Exactly. Don't watch it. If you're bored, don't watch it. That's like, if you put me, if you make me watch an NHL game... I'm going to be bored beyond belief because really? I... Really? Yeah, I try... Yes, I call hockey games, but there's something about... Was it like watching an NHL game? It's like... Well, it's con- it's constant, though. There's pucks moving. You watching, they're calling the game. you got to be uh, Czechoslovakia, Bolstovich, and you know, you got to know all the players. Things are constantly changing. I guess that's probably what that is because I sometimes struggle at hockey. I don't know. There's something last about... Last names? <laughs> last name. Oh, yeah. Last names get the best name. But anyway, to continue on, it's like, don't watch it. Right. I, I get that. But, you know, maybe I'm not a purist, but I still love baseball more than anything. So... Best sport ever. Of course. America's pastime. Been around since 1869, so we're celebrating it. Abner Doubleday. Oh, yeah. Big time. (laughs) All right. To continue on with the Yankee moves, we we talked about possibly signing Manny Machado. That's probably not going to happen. I I don't know about that. Bryce Harper. Left-handed bat. One problem. Batting average. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he had a terrible season. He had a terrible season in his free agent year. I don't know if it's because mm, that he, goes to show something. Yeah. Well, first of all, he was on a terrible Washington Nationals team. That doesn't help. And he doesn't have any protection in that lineup to give him good pitches to hit, but at the same time, he did walk a lot, so maybe he has a good patient eye. He's getting more patient. He is the explosive player looking to bring a franchise and lift it from its doldrums. But at the same time, I think he batted like 240-something. Yeah, he batted like 240s, like hit career lows in like almost every... And it was a contract year. So yeah. even if he's adding a little pressure to himself, that goes to show how he thinks. Loves big moments, steps up in big moments. He's pretty clutch. But when it comes down to it, maybe he adds a little too much pressure to himself. You also got to think about, yeah, him being on the Washington Nationals. And how's Nationals. that reflecting the Yankees, too, versus the Nationals, like you are saying? Yeah, the problem is, is that the Washington Nationals never made it out of the first round. Every time they made it to the postseason, they never made it out of the first round. Yeah, they really haven't done anything of note. Um, But I say this. Short porch and right. Lefty bat. Lefty (laughs) bat, like you said. 244 is okay when those doubles or flyouts that would have been caught in other stadiums go over the wall in this stadium. His numbers will automatically inflate there in, in just a little bit. But I would take, and I'm... I can't believe I'm even saying this, but I would take his personality over Machado's. At least he hustles. He hustles. At the end of the day, yes, his hair is quaffed, his energy is always high, but he's about the game. He's playing hard. I can't knock a guy for playing hard and yelling and screaming and trying to lift the stadium up. I can't knock that. I almost never thought I'd see him. Like I'd much prefer a Mike Trout. Give me Mike Trout any day. Plays, shows, what he means and how he feels about everything with his moves, with his swing, with his hits. He plays on the, leaves it on the field. He does not tell you about it. Oh, are you kidding me? He shows you. He needs, he needs a World Series rank. He really does. That would help. He's unfortunately on a dreadful Angels team. But yeah, yeah I think they should have definitely. Well, they're they're making their eyes open. they're making moves. Mike Sosha is gone. When I thought Angels, I thought Mike Sosha. I, I, I'm curious to see how they'll develop. Oh, and that whole Albert Pujols contract. That's a terrible contract. Yeah. As much as I love Albert Pujols. I love Pujols, him too. All-time, all-time great for the oh, century. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's definitely going to the Hall of Fame, but that contract he signed was absolutely terrible. Insane. I believe it, it, it goes till he's about 507, and he's being paid $2,000 million, gajillion dollars a year. You also got to think about it. He has been one of the last contracts. Actually, check that. Yeah, he's one of the last, like, 10-year contracts. That's one of the reasons. 10-year. 
Ten years. Who the How hell? old was he when he signed it? He was probably in his early 30s when that right. happened. I believe it. He's it, approaching 40 I want to say he was like 37 or something like that, or like 35, 34. Any, well, check that out for me. I will check while, that out. And while I'm saying, we've we've seen Machado, the, the talk about that. We've seen Bryce Harper. I also maybe think that it was smokescreen. A little smoke and mirrors just to create hype in the market to pop, perhaps uh, you know make people competitive. You know, No one's going to slide through and steal him. Others are going to say, hey, we're interested. Hey, we're interested. So all of a sudden, they're going to have to up the offer. But nonetheless, the things I was worried about when I heard those two names was who they wanted to get rid of. Miguel Andahar. No. Needs to stay a Yankee. He's going to be a He should be a Yankee for the next, like, 15 seasons. With his production and his hustle, forget about his defense. I know it's terrible, but he... It's not terrible. It's not good. It's not great. It's okay. Yeah, but... Ish. Did you hear who he got uh, tips from? Who? About third baseman great... Adrian Beltre, recently Ooh. retired. You oh, he retired? D- yeah, he recently I retired. I missed that. Oh, he was great. 20, 20-something seasons, 3,000 hits. Yeah. Great character. What a great guy to get defensive tips from. Hey, yeah, he's perfect. He's a hot corner uh, king over there. He he, uh, he rocked us a little bit being a Red Sox, but uh, at the same time. That one season he was a Red yeah. Sox. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can't forget it because I remember he had a, he had a great season. But he was old, and it was impressive that he maintained all those years. I mean, he dipped off, obviously, just a little bit at the end, but I got to say, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Definitely. No question about it. So, Miguel Andahar getting tips from him. All right, let's see how that develops in the field, how his, uh, how his fielding comes through. But remember, how old is he? Andujar? He's, like, about a year older than me, so about 24. Wow. So, he's 24. He batted, I believe you said, 297. 27 home runs, 92 RBIs. Machado had 37 home runs. So you want to pay, think of it this way. They want to pay $30 million to a guy that hits 10 more home runs than Miguel Andujar. You you are absolutely ridiculous. 10 more home runs is not worth the drama that seems to be coming with that pitch. Yeah, you practically get a bargain with Andujar. And you know he's bound to get better. Is he still on his rookie contract? Uh, I'm actually not sure. We can check that out. But I, I do know that him, third base... Pure from the farm system, which was lovely. We don't get that. You know, it's nice to have our identity had been shifted here. Instead of being the guys who just buy all the stars, buy the stars even if they're after or a little bit after their prime or during their prime, chucking millions of dollars and just filling the field with all stars. Now we're actually, you know, haven't heard that in a little while. We've rescinded back. We're using our farm system. I like it. People like Andahar and Glaber Torres. Yeah. Or I've been thinking of it this way. Maybe one of the reasons the Yankees are not spending a lot of money this offseason is because they have a couple of really huge free agents next offseason. Mm. Del Batances, about my guy D.D. Gregorius, who oh, I'd rather pay. We need him. I'd rather pay him $30 million than Machado. Correct. Thank you. I know at the end of the season last year, where did he go? He was hurt. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that he lost. He his step. played when he was hurt. He, he even admitted it. Thank you. He played when he was hurt. Maybe he needs to be a little more honest. Uh, no, he's he's honest. He was honest. I want him to be a little more honest with himself and say, "Hey, baseball is a war. Little battles here and there. Sometimes you can skip a few of them because you, it's a long season. It's a long career. I'd rather have him not tweak anything. I want him and his glove. Oh, his glove and his bat." In that lineup for years. Well, he, first of all, he's a lefty, and secondly, he's one of the probably one of the top three shortstops in the game today. Yes. And how about we just discuss the fact that when have you ever seen a player replace the captain, <laughs> Hall of Fame to be? You know he's going to legend comes in, and everyone's not not only just satisfied, they're ecstatic, they're happy with who who he was, what he was doing on the field. Producing at the plate, like how, when has that ever happened? How about his postseason he had in 2017? That three-run home oh, run against yeah. the Twins. I still remember. I was watching it on my computer. And I, I saw went the nuts. I saw the ball. I'm like, oh my god! There was a lot of uh, cursing in there. I'm oh, not yes, going to mention that. Course. But bleeps and bloops. That helped the Yankees make it to the division series, and then those two home runs he hit off of Corey Kluber. Yes, that was He's even the only one that just was as amazing. I was like, okay, he steps up to the big moment. I, his swing too, 
So smooth. So smooth. Love it when he connects too. He's all he's all part of one moment. He'll his bat flip. <laughs> I like love his bat swing. Flip. The ball's crisply crushed, and also it's like a oh, pretty, pretty to watch. And not to mention how pretty his glove is, and his arm strong. Oh yeah, he absolutely. Can, he, he might just be able to reenact that Derek Jeter move in the in the hole there. I feel like a lot of people kind of forgot about Derek. Jeter. In a way, right? That's what I'm saying. It's like there was no. Oh, where is he? Oh, we miss him. I miss him. I grew up with him. He's the password to all of my banking. So, yeah, if you want to know, I'm TJ Stilzenberg, but there's a bunch of numbers involved. Anyways, don't use that password. Uh, Derek Jeter, I adore. I love. He was my hero. He's one of the... He's my favorite Yankee of all time. But Me then too. again, he also, you know, he played in, in an era where I was born. I wasn't alive that, to see... That is correct. My dad constantly telling me about Craig Nettles and uh, you know Thurman Munson, uh, how much 70s. he loved all these guys. You know, but I, I will say he he even says there's nobody that played it, the game more right than Derek Jeter. Absolutely. So with that being said, interesting to see a player come in, Didi Gregorius, and just ever so gently and quietly make us not miss our beloved captain, beloved captain who moved on. I still remember that first week he was. It was 2015. This was after the trade. This was, I think, after opening day. And a lot of people were concerned because he wasn't producing offensively. He kind of struggled a little bit. Maybe it was just the pressure of New York. But obviously, they, everyone forgot about that. Like, yeah. In a, in a snap like that, pretty much. Yeah, I remember the, right, right at the beginning, it was a little bit uh, questionable, a little turbulent. But who? when is it not? It's Brian Cashman. You know... He knows what he's doing. Brian Cashman has proven more and more and more over his career, but how about this past year or two, how he knows what he's doing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got Severino, who is Ooh, he's still an ace. I don't care what people oh, say about man. his second half no, last no, season. No. He's still an I ace. love him. I'm watching him, and I'm seeing a player who's, not that he's getting bored with it, but he's working on the finer things of being a starting pitcher. He's... Moving into his location change, yes, he throws absolute gas at 100 miles an hour, and yes, he's got some good off-speed, but he's, how old? He's like... 22, I think. Oh, I think he's a little older than that, like 24. Like, he's pretty much the same age as me. research that. But nonetheless... I know in 2017, he was like one of the youngest guys, like, to... That's what I'm saying. To even be consideration for Cy Young with... Don't count out Luis Severino. No, I'm not counting him out. I am just hoping that he is... Wow. Drum roll, please. He's 24. Oh, see? 1994. Dude. February 20th. He's bound to get better. You want to know what his salary is right now? Yeah, let's hear it. $521,300. For to be an ace of the Yankees. This year... He is making $500,000. I call that a bargain. Him and Duhar and Torres. like the, the Exactly. So, like, while we have it, yes, I know these players aren't going to have to sign gigantic contracts. Maybe that's why he's saving money. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's looking ahead to saying, hey, I want to keep these guys because this is a core that could work, man. Do you think that's why I feel like in 2017, that's when the rebuilding process, like, started to happen? I feel like that was the time where people can actually appreciate the Yankees because they didn't buy to get to that postseason to unfortunately lose in the ALCS against the eventual world champion Houston Astros. But to make it that far was shocking. I didn't even think they were going to make it to the postseason. You mean this past year? Uh, 2017. 2017, right, right, right. I was looking at it. um, By the way, Severino in 17 made 500K. This past year, 2018, he made 600k. Oh, there's an arbitration problem with uh, Luis Severino. What's I don't going know if on? Heard about that? I have not. I think he was he wanted like this specific amount of money. The Yankees offered him this specific amount of money, and there was no like agreement. So now they're at a uh, arbitration hearing to see if they're able to give it to that price. I don't mm. know if you're familiar with what arbitration it is. No, uh, and for viewers, I'll play the. Uh, I actually do not know, so uh, you know. I'll pretend I. Uh, but tell us, tell us what it is. I know arbitration is basically. Was it you sign like a one year deal for like this specific amount of money depending on the, uh, you know, the ability level? I know with Luis Severino, obviously he's the ace. He wanted like five point one million dollars. The Yankees offered him four point two. I don't know if that 
was a precursor from that horrible second half he had last season. Is it at all like in football when you franchise tag somebody? Is it related to other players in the league and where they're producing? Somewhat kind of similar to that. Take the top five and at that position. Because obviously he's he's definitely one of the key pieces of the franchise. Well, I'm just curious. Like, I haven't seen anything about a contract with him, so that makes more sense now because we need to make sure we have him in our in our bolt or in our dugout. The other thing is uh, we mentioned Andujar, Glaber Torres. Torres, he's gonna be fun. He's gonna be fun. At the end, he kind of skidded into the end there. I watched I watched the big moments, the pressure, make him just uh, tighten up a little bit. He was at his best when he's swinging freely. When he has no pressure, even if he hits a ball that was in the dirt, he still hit it. But we weren't seeing that out of him. He tightened up definitely, and uh, towards the end of the season two, his numbers started disintegrating a little bit. But I saw him right on par with Andohar. At least he still runs. He runs out the play. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my key. That's my key thing. Yeah. As long as the player can hustle, if it's a ground ball, even if it looks like it's about to get through, you're still running out. Yeah. You know what? And I'll take him and Didi middle infield. Any day. Oh, of course. And Andohar, I know you said fielding at third base. But you know what? He'll figure it out. He'll figure I, it out. See, that's the problem with uh, with Yankee fans. Is like They think that because he had a horrible season defensively. Right. He it's sucks. The, it's the end of the world. It's like, we should trade him to get Corey Kluber. I'd be like, no. I'd be like, God, no. <laughs> no, look to your future. No, I'm not knocking our Yankee nation, but uh, Yankee universe, I should say. Yankee universe, yeah. But I will say that... It's it's more than what you are seeing with your naked eye. It's it's what's going on in the future. Who's talking? Who's training? What a player will do? How he will develop? And if it was easy to predict, then everyone would do it. But that's the best part, and that's why we watch sports. It's the greatest drama. You never know how a player is going to unfold, and you love it when these guys surprise you. <laughs> drama. You want to talk about the NFL? That's nothing but drama. The last oh, like, few days. Oh dear God. That was gross. Yep. We just witnessed the two overtime games that uh, winners both went on to the Super Bowl. The Saints were robbed. Yeah, they were robbed, and now they want a petition to do a replay of the Rams. No and the petition. Yeah, yes, they were robbed. No petition. They no replay you the can't, game. You can't do that. That's just going to be unfair uh, for the other teams that got robbed in the past, like the oh, the Des Bryant catch or the, the oh. bounty the bounty gate with Brett Favre. Oh and, God! I know. Right. I know. It's oh, like we're, we're. It's like we're. It's. But you're right, though. You can't. You can't do the do over. This isn't the playground. This is the. NFL. So I will say this: they can look into the rules. They can just like in baseball, how it's adjusting with the replay. Yes, fans are like, "Oh my God, it's gonna make the game take another hour and a half." What else are you doing? I'd be like, "Who you're cares?" You're sitting there watching anyways. Just because you had to watch three Tide and Toyota commercials instead of two, it's not gonna change anything. You're still there to watch the game. And yes, okay, they don't have to be able to review everything, but. I'm interested to see if they do instill a rule next year because next year's the year they're talking. Don't do that thing where all legislation and the documentation will make it have to take four or five years in the process of litigation. And No, next year. I'm calling this this year's Super Bowl the Ref Bowl. I've been calling it ever since <laughs> Unfortunately, Sunday's you're right. Unfortunately, that's gross. The refs had too much of a say in it. They had too much of a story in it. Like, We're not even talking about anything cool that happened in the game. We're not even talking about like how great both the Rams and the Patriots are. We're talking about how the Revs got got them got to the, the Super Bowl, pretty much. Oh, gross. I, I just want to ask you this in a personal question. Yes, uh, Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. Patrick Mahomes, do you think if the coin toss went to the Chiefs and the Chiefs marched down the field and scored just like the Patriots did, do you think the country would be up in arms talking about how the Overtime should be changed at least with a touchdown. The other team should have one chance to respond because you're sitting there watching the MVP possibly of the league sitting in his parka over on the bench, and that's not what people are paying to see. How do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I know this would go either way with that Rams. Should they play the full quarter or should they play the way they're doing it? I said this. 
I said this after the game, the uh, Patriots and the Chiefs. If the Patriots get the touchdown, I think the Chiefs should have a chance with the ball. If they don't score on that, on that possession, drive. the game is over. I agree. It's the same thing as the field goal rule, but it make it touchdowns as well. Yeah, I agree. Give them a chance. You know, it should not come down to a coin flip. That's where I, that's where I don't like it. Yes, yes, it, the defense has to answer. I get it. They're just as responsible, but if it's a full sport, it's base, it's offense and defense. Coin flip should not actually have an effect. It should be like oh, yeah, who gets not. it first. Yeah, but there should always be rebuttals. Should always be at least not even rebuttals, a re- equal response. So it's a fair shot. And I do agree. If it happened to the Chiefs and he goes down the field, we're praising the young gun, great. Patrick Mahomes, and nobody really gives a crap because I have a feeling everybody's getting a little tired of the greatness of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Hey, you got to respect the. But I respect. You know, I am a Giants. I'm a Giants fan. Obviously, we beat Brady. <gasps> we. I don't know what did that mean. <laughs> That's the sound the Giants uh, season was represented by. <clears throat> oh, you mean the last like two seasons when they oh, won yeah, the combined right, right. eight games, the five seasons. and eleven this season. <clears throat> But anyway, but yeah, the Tom Brady era, the, you can't help but respect that. As much as I hate him, you know why I hate him? It's envy. Because the Correct. Giants have never had a dynasty. Check that. The other NFL teams never had a dynasty like the Patri- Patriots are having. Mm. This is something we're not going to see for a very long time. Yes, envy. And also, Giselle Bundchen. Oh, yeah. You can't... <laughs> but I, 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 I know you're right. I know you are. Even if I want to say... Easier to hate the Patriots. I would love to see the young guy get his shot. You can't knock greatness. And sometimes if greatness gets boring so bad, then you're not actually understanding what you're watching. Think about it. Rams. If it was Rams and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, remember that week? Uh, yeah. It's like week 11 yeah. game. Oh, when yeah. it was like 55 to like 52 to the final. Yeah, yeah. Some like ridiculous high scoring game. That was the Super Bowl I wanted. Mm-hmm. Or Breeze versus Brady Super Bowl. I think that would have been just Correct. as good. Both narratives. This is why I'm confused. Both narratives make, you know, they're more expected. The Breeze versus Brady, the old guys, one last try. Drew Breeze is very much deserving of a shot. He doesn't get enough credibility. No, he does. at all. And then you have the young guns. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Jared Goff. That dynamic you've seen in week 11 or whatever week it was, was a beautiful show of air assault and just, you know, lack of defense. Swiss cheese defense, as I say. But I will say this. If you want to say the game is fixed, meaning the two or the back judges and the side judge that missed that call on the head-to-head collision, not even hands grabby and touchy, the collision to the wide receiver where the ball was going. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You can miss a call. You can make a mistake. I admit, I admit, when I make a mistake, like if I drop, say, if I randomly drop a plate of pizza on right. a very hot girl, I'd be like, I'm sorry, hey. I made a mistake. Or did you? But <laughs> it could have gotten away. But anyway, the point is, the point is, I'm just curious if it was a mistake because that's what doesn't make sense to me. The narrative would be, are they supporting the Patriots against the? Against the uh, the Rams, or I thought if maybe, you know, I j- the point is such it would have been Breeze versus Brady, like you said, or Mahomes versus Goff. I just didn't understand like if the fix was in, if it was set up, which I think is kind of hard. I I, I want to believe it's not, but Vegas, dear God, has quite a reach everywhere. Oh, the sports betting capital of the world, practically, uh, and they are certainly in many pockets. And I hope to God there it's not the NFL, and I hope to God it wasn't in the game that led up to the uh, Super Bowl, and I hope to God that those three professional, supposedly the best at what they do, refs, just made a mistake. I hope it was a miscall. I hope. So I don't know. I I I feel for Breeze. And you can say such is life, you know, but, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about, like, yeah, if that call happened, Saints probably be going to the Super Bowl. The Saints wouldn't have had to give the ball back. They yeah, but just held it. the thing is, is that they've also had a lot of scoring opportunities before that of call course, even of happened. Course. So, technically, it, it could have gone either way. It's You're like, right. You blame the Saints. You blame the Saints for losing the Drew game. Drew Brees did not have his best game either. You're right. I believe it was one touchdown, two picks, or something like that. Uh, you're right. You got to hold accountable what happened in the second quarter, third quarter. You can't just have one moment that's going to ruin the entire. You're right. But at the same time, like, tying it back into what we were talking about um, in fandom and and seeing excitement. Who 
are you most excited for uh, to see? Uh, let me let me rephrase that. Who do we put at first base? First base for the Yankees? Yeah. Wow, we're really switching the topic. Yeah, because the, the reason let me, let me just explain the bridge real quick. Because are we talking about young guys? I was thinking about young guys' opportunity versus you know the old guys who have proven themselves been there. But uh, yeah, that's that's hmm. thank, thank you for clarifying tough, my bridge there. Hmm, tough choice. Are we gonna give a uh, we're gonna give it to a guy that hit 15 home runs when he joined the team in July that I never thought would happen? Are we talking Greg Bird? Uh, nope. I wish we were talking about Oh, you're Greg talking Bird. about Luke Voigt. We're talking about Luke the Tank Voigt. <laughs> Luke we, is not a Voigt, Voigt. Or are we going to give it to a guy that batted ne- under the Mendoza line? I'm talking Greg Bird. And sadly, Greg Bird, who's known for the postseason moments. Well, all I know is I have the video game The Show 2018. Yep, MLB The Show 18. And uh, Luke Voigt is a 74 overall, and Greg Bird is a 69. Greg Bird. I felt like he was better than that. Greg Bird is. But he hasn't been on the field to prove anything. Well, the only reason why is that he's been so injury plagued ever since he came up. Besides that breakout 2015 season. And then he missed and the off season before this. And then year. he missed the all of 2016 yep. because of um, a shoulder injury. Shoulder. And then the first of all, he batted 100 to start off the 2017 Correct. season. And then he broke. I think he hurt his ankle or somewhere ankle. around there. Ankle. Yep. Same problem he had last season, and he was just never the same. But that 2017 Greg Bird postseason that we got, we thought it was a glimpse of what he was going to be in 2018. But yeah. unfortunately. It was. It fell to crap. The injury is clearly doing something to him. Uh, I know he's not going to have the most interstellar average. I'd take that with his package deal. But his bat to right field at Yankee Stadium. Oh my God! And uh, I'm just uh, I'm a little curious there. Maybe he can slowly, since he has a little competition over there with Luke Voigt. Maybe he can slowly just work his way back into being a 250, 260 hitter. But just don't get hurt, man. Your job is to stay healthy, and I get it. Your arm and your foot is a part of your body. Your body's a vessel in between what you do, hitting a ball out of a ballpark. But take care of your body. It is your temple. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know. It, when it comes to Luke Voigt and Greg Bird, I think you're going to get that answer in uh, spring training. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the last year's spring training, Greg Bird was destroying. I think he was hitting like 500. He I, think had like, was, I think that was a couple of seasons ago. I no, think last year's spring training. Really? Spring training. I thought I thought it, there was that spring training. It could be the same spring training you're talking about. He was absolutely like dominating. Well, he, he might have done it for a couple years, but I'm saying like this past year, I swear to... Eh, I'm 89% confident now that you're... Because eh, you are smarter than me. Um, oh, wow, really? You're going to blame the four-year difference on uh, yeah. intelligence well, level? Well, I was going to say, maybe you're smarter than me, uh, but I think you might be you're right. Maybe it was two years ago. Either way, your point is is that, uh, that we'll find out in spring training. I, I like to think that maybe they can come together and he can just, uh, you know, represent his bat a little bit longer as a Yankee. But I don't know, man. You always get you're going to get all your answers coming spring training. Like yeah. Aaron Judge was the starting right field in his rookie season. No one thought it was going to be him or Aaron Hicks. Obviously, right. we know what happened with Aaron Judge? He had 52 home runs. Shout out to Aaron Hicks. Ow, ow. Aaron Hicks has also been a great player. That's a guy that I think the Yankees should bring back for the future as well. Switch, hit, switch hitting hitter. Switch hitter. He walk. He walks a lot. A lot. Great defensive player. And has a bat. And it's not going to blow you away, but it's good enough to sometimes be randomly in the two spot or three spot. And yeah, he should be probably more down towards the bottom of the lineup, but he could act as a leadoff hitter if he wants. He could be a three hitter if he wants. Because he gets on base. Yeah. That's what you gotta do. You pass the baton to Judge, Stanton, and Sanchez, who is going to have a breakout season. And he's got speed. I'm calling it. You're yes, saying Aaron Sanchez? Hicks. You're saying Sanchez? Well, I wish Gary Sanchez had speed. Unfortunately, he no, can't No, 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 no. The breakout season. I know. <laughs> but Gary <laughs> Sanchez. I know. Gary. Um, I will say... Uh, I am probably going to going to agree with you. Um, I just don't know if Gary Sanchez. I like him. He had the big story right coming out into the season or to to his career as a Yankee. The eight thousand home runs he hit in ten minutes uh, to, <laughs> to start to start his career. It's just. I wonder if he got addicted to that. You know, that, that amount of attention in New York that was one is of a the... drug, and he might have been addicted to it. And he's. He's sub 
150 or whatever he he batted this Uh, last year. Last season, he batted around 180. He did have 18 home runs, but that's not the point. The point is is that he was swinging out of his shoes literally almost every at-bat. Exactly. Like, I remember that 2016... When I was at, back in college, I felt like he was hitting a home run in between classes for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, though. It was for you, too. Yeah. He was, though. His swing last year did look bad. It looked like he was more than just swinging out of his shoes. Something was off. He wasn't either picking it up or, or something in his body had a little hitch with an injury or something. There's definitely something off about his swing because he was missing Badly. It was. It was the. Sh- it could have been the shoulder. I know about the groin injury he had. Yeah. That hence the reason why he didn't hustle. That cost that double play. Uh, that lost the game. But, but if somebody threw a slider low and away to him, he wasn't even within a foot. The bat to the ball in slow motion. You could easily say that. Embarrassing. You could say that about Stanton too. He was always swinging at. Yeah, well. I, I was happy to see that he settled in and his natural skill at least took over enough to produce numbers in for the Yankees. He was a uh, forty home run hitter. Uh, he had 38 home runs, 38? driven in 100. Were you expecting 59 home runs? No. God, no. No. Absolutely not. But think about 38 home runs switching from National League to the American League. And going to the, from the Marlins the, to the New York Yankees in the market of New York. I was ready for I love the way he answered interviews, especially in the first month and a half when he stunk. He yeah. did nothing coming out of the gate. And I was very happy and uh, proud of him to see the way he handled and carried himself in front of the camera and the the radio hosts. You know, he he got that, he kind of checked that box for me as, is he going to be able to handle the New York media? He constantly met them in the face and said, yep, you know, we're just going to be, we're going to go to work the next day, we're going to figure it out. And then, you know, he caught fire a little bit here and there. So, I think he's going to have a breakout season this year after he had his whole first experience as a Yankee. Now the spotlight is spreading to others. He's going to explode. Oh, yeah. Oh, that game I was talking about when I was at Yankee Stadium last year? That was that game he went 0 for 7 with 5 strikeouts. Oh! So, yeah, I saw, him at, I saw him at the worst of Stan. Literally, people were booing him at, like, the 10th game of the season. I'd be like, what is wrong with that? That's you? where I'm like, that's what Red Sox fans do. We are Yankee fans. We have patience. I'm just Although I do, I, do, I do admit I did uh, boo him. Was it a game 4? No! I did, when he struck out in the bottom of the ninth against a hard against Kimbrel who was struggling that yeah, entire game, I remember and he that. struck out on a terrible pitch. I'm he like, did. I'm sorry. very bad pitch. That was really bad. Way it, out it of the strike zone. Way low. Way low. It's yeah. like even it's if funny you, how you can remember pitches like that. Oh yeah. But I do say, uh, I never boo. I will never boo a member of my team. I don't know. It, it kind of depends on the moment. Like uh, I will never boo. I would never boo. I would never boo Aaron Judge in my entire life. <laughs> um, no, uh, I would never boo a player in a sport where if you are failing seventy percent of the time, you might get into the Hall of Fame. So, a sport that is psychologically so grueling, so already enough pain that you have to deal with. I don't want to add to that. Even though players are professional and they're not listening to me and my little sound I make in my mouth isn't going to affect them. But I will just, in principle of it, I will never boo a New York Yankee. Yeah, it, like I said, it kind of depends on the moment. As you know me, I'm a very, very, right. very loyal fan. Yes, you I've are. Been, I've been yes, nothing but loyal. Obviously, you know, I congratulate the Red Sox for winning the World Series last season. They obviously had a great season. Well, I, I want to say this also. Let me ask you personally. Yes, you are a diehard fan. Yes. Um, I respect and, my team no matter and what. And you respect it. That's the question. Respect. Is, is, is booing in a way, are you booing saying, I respect you, but I expect more results out of you? Come on, get your head out of your, you know what? Or are you more saying, you suck? No, the only reason why I booed is because I know Stanton was more capable of taking that pitch and swinging at a next possible pitch. Because if you notice a guy is struggling, like Kimbrell was in that postseason game, I know that Stan- Stanton is capable of doing a lot of great things. He, he showed it. He showed it when Aaron Judge went down. He took over and he was a monster. Yes, hitting home runs left and right. He was stri- he wasn't striking out as much as he did. And it was good to have his protection. He has finally he's in a lineup when you know it's not Marlin, Marlin, Stanton, and then another Marlin. He's got other hitters. <laughs> no offense to the Marlins, but he's got other people that will. Pre- he's going to see some strikes. He's going to see some hittable balls. You know. So uh, I also think. Uh, We've pretty much covered the majority of uh, some of the stars, and uh, obviously 
I just want to ask one last thing because I know we're coming up on time here. But hey, it was a great conversation. Great conversation. Oh. But here, let me ask you this: Ronald Torres. Ronald Torres. He's no longer a Yankee. Sad he left. I'm sad too. Dude played everywhere. The guy was a guy was a fighter. He was a scrapper, man. I don't care that and he, he hit the ball. He put, he put the ball in play. I don't care that he had three home runs. I cared about that 290 batting average. 290. It was on base was probably more like 360, 370. He's a it, foot tall, so his strike zone is an inch. So. Yeah, I think I'm taller than him. And I think he made some contact. But yeah, Torres is gone. But don't worry, we got Lemayhew, we got Tulowitzki. Oh man, I get it. I get professional sports. I get it's a job. I get it's a business. But Ronald Torres, wherever you are, be well. Yeah, Lemayhew, Tulo, they're going to be great. Well, this was a very fun, entertaining podcast, opening podcast. Hey, that was the first one of many. Uh, first of many for Life in Pinstripes. This is James Yevin. You can follow me on Twitter at jyevin21. This is TJ Stolzenberg. I'm terrible at social media. That's okay. We'll work on that, all right? <laughs> Have a good afternoon, everybody. We'll see you soon. Take care.